0: Good morning, Northside. It's good to be with you this morning and to give you a quick update. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn back to that passage in Colossians chapter 2. I just want to get there before I forget about it. Colossians 2. We'll come to that. Come back to that verse in just a few moments. You know, it's been a long time since... Northside first began supporting our work up in Minnesota. It's been uh, about five years. In fact, this November will be the five-year anniversary since we have been meeting out of our house. And uh, five years goes by uh, fast when you have three kids along the way. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, there might be a lot of people here today who have known us since before we went up to Minnesota or before I went to preaching school. But there might be a lot of people who don't know me that well, who maybe are new over the past few years or they've never heard our story or why we're in Minnesota in the first place other than being evangelistic. So I thought I'd take a minute and just introduce myself, tell my story a little bit. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home, and uh, sometime during my teenage years, I did decide that God was real, but I wasn't really seeking after him, and I kind of just wanted to do what I wanted to do. So... I was working at a restaurant called Outback Steakhouse, and there was a waiter there uh, named David Harrington. And he and I became friends, and David is a member of the Northside Church here, and the Harringtons have been longtime members. He lives in Oklahoma now, but at the time, he was here. And as we became friends, we began to study the Bible together. And on August 2nd, 2003, a few days before my 17th birthday, he baptized me into Christ. And so Northside was my first Uh, long-term church experience where I came in and became part of the family. And that may sound like uh, a normal thing to do for you guys. When someone's a Christian, they come in here and they become part of the family. But I want you to know that that process is actually uh, more difficult than you make it look. (laughs) Northside Church of Christ does family very well. And it's because of that 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 family here at Northside... Uh, that has been a big influence in shaping me and who I am today and my faith and what I believe. And so you may not know this, but uh, before five years ago, I actually, I did go to Minnesota. Uh, after my high school uh, graduation, I took a year off and then I, I moved up to St. Paul, Minnesota. I lived in downtown for about a year and a half, almost two years. And I went to uh, the McNally Smith College for Music. So I got my associate's degree in audio production. And uh, while I was up there, uh, me and David Harrington, we decided that we were going to grow our hair out. And upon my graduation, we were going to uh, get a special haircut together. And so this is what I like to call Minnesota Take One. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. That can't be real. That's like movie-quality mullet right there. <laughs> and... Uh, but I assure you, that is my real hair, and that is David's real hair. And uh, and it was a pretty amazing haircut. I would recommend it. So this was take one. And Minnesota take one. I, I left Minnesota a very um, different person than I am today. So when I came back to Kansas after graduating in Minnesota, um, there were some things my life was a little... Uh, let's see. Things were in turmoil. <laughs> we'll just say that. And so uh, I actually began living with the Harringtons, and um, their influence on me started to have a great impact. And so I'd go to church when they went to church, and of course, Jerry Harrington was with us at the time, and he would study the Bible with me, and he had a lot of knowledge to pass on. So that shaped me as well. And so you may not remember this man either. His name is Nick Perez. He was the preaching intern at Northside in 2007, I believe. And so he had a a great impact on me as well, and and we're still friends today. He actually was the uh, officiant at my wedding, and uh, we still keep in contact and do projects together. But um, it's been a long time since uh, I got this beautiful mullet, and uh, this is Minnesota Take Two. So 13 years later, and uh, my hair's not quite as good looking, I don't think, anyway, but uh, we do have a beautiful family that has uh, sort of come about in Minnesota. And so we didn't just give birth to a church plant, but we sort of really planted our roots there for our family as well. So we love Minnesota. We love St. Paul. We love the church in Minnesota and in St. Paul. We love the people that meet with us in our house. We love uh, the people that we are supported by to make that possible. We love Northside. We love the church in Kansas. But... um, It took a while to get to that point. So right around 2009, I met my wife. We got married in 2010. We moved to West Texas, went to Sunset, got my bachelor's in biblical studies. My wife got her law degree at Texas Tech. And then we moved up to Minnesota at the beginning of 2014. So when we first got to Minnesota, um, we had to figure out what was church planting on paper and what was church planting in real life. And sometimes that matched up, sometimes it didn't. I took this picture actually at the uh, base of the cathedral in St. Paul. And so you had a nice look. And this was uh, at the beginning of January 2014, and it was probably about negative 20 when I took this picture. Uh, And that was a nice day for January. So the winter we moved up to Minnesota, it was actually the coldest winter in about 20 years. So even the locals were saying it was pretty bad. So that's the year we introduced ourselves to Minnesota. That was good timing. And um, we, uh, the reason I took this picture is because I went out and I said, you know what, I'm just going to walk St. Paul. I'm going to see who I'm going to find. Maybe God will bring somebody my way and I can strike up a conversation and then we'll have a Bible study. So I was very optimistic. And so <laughs> I went outside and even though it was negative 20, I was ready to go. And uh, as I walked the streets and as I went up and down the hills and Traveled around the city by foot, I noticed something. Uh, there's nobody outside. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, because it's negative 20. <laughs> so so uh, that didn't work. But we had to figure out, like, what is church planning anyway? Like, what does that mean? When, I, when we say we're going to go plan a church or we're going to make disciples or we're going to grow the church, what does that mean? And I think I've actually figured out a pretty good description of what church planning is. If you participate in or uh, know of the small groups that Northside does here, a lot of small groups meet Sunday evening, um, we kind of think of the church plant as a small group. I mean, it's very similar. We meet in a home, we share a meal together. It's a little bit like Sunday morning Bible class though too because it's more of a study than a sermon and people can ask questions and and comment, Uh, but it's also like Sunday morning, because like that is our one time together. That's when we gather, it's when we take the Lord's Supper, it's when we sing worship songs. And so we're kind of like Sunday morning, uh, Sunday evening, all of that wrapped up into one. And so we just have one meeting each Sunday. And um, you could call that uh, lazy, or I like to call it efficient. So St. Paul, Minnesota, we've been there for five years. And along the way, we have had some baptism, some people that we were able to meet, study the Bible with, baptize, and get them to come to church. And so in 2014, there was our first person that we ever studied the Bible with. Her name was Zane. She's from Sierra Leone, Africa. It's West Africa. She grew up actually in war-torn Africa. It's a very uh, traumatic experience growing up. And her story, um, we could probably write a book about her story. She has a lot of um, incredible stories of perseverance so it was 2014, the first person we studied with, the first person we baptized. Later on that year, we studied with a man named Aaron, and we baptized him as well. And so that was before we started meeting as a church in November of 2014. In 2015, uh, I met a man named Andrew through our coffee shop Bible studies. I'd met Zane, by the way, by, uh, I posted an ad on Craigslist. You know, I don't know if you guys use Craigslist or if that's too scary, but I posted an ad for free Bible studies, and I really only had one response, and that was Zane. And I kept posting and posting for a couple years after that. I never had any other responses, and that's it. So she was the one and only response, first Bible study, first conversion. I thought that was pretty interesting. You never know what's going to work. I forgot to mention with Aaron, we met him through a common acquaintance. And with Andrew, we met him at our coffee shop Bible studies. So he was baptized in 2015. And then in 2016, we met Larry, and we actually met him in 2015, but he was baptized in 2016. We met him at the coffee shop Bible study. Larry is actually a funny story, because when he came to the meet-up Bible study, um, afterwards I invited him to church, and he said, well, um, you know, I really like the Bible study. I think you do a good job, but uh, church is a little too early for me. It's a little, uh, I can't wake up that early. I was like, you're in luck, friend. We don't start till 11 o'clock. And, uh... <laughs> He was like, oh, really? Well, that would be much better. However, by then, I'm going to be hungry, and I want to wake up and eat something. I was like, well, guess what? We start out with a fellowship meal. <laughs> and so he was like, well, uh, if I'm going to be real honest with you, I just I can't be around that many people. I get just a little anxious. And I was like, congratulations. There's only four people at my church. <laughs> so Larry said, well, maybe I will come to church. <laughs> So he showed up and uh, has been there ever since. And so that was, a, that was a neat story and experience to see Larry move from his shell and kind of come out. And we've seen him grow a lot over the years. In fact, if it's ever too snowy, the, I, the roads are too icy in the wintertime, he will uh, go to the Richfield Church of Christ, which is in a suburb that's closer to where he lives. And that may not sound special, but actually for a guy who, who didn't want to go into a church where he didn't know anybody around lots of people, Uh, that's actually a a very impressive step of faith for him. And so we're proud of Larry, and we love having him as a part of our church. And then uh, around the same year, 2016, we met Tyler, but we baptized him in 2017. And Tyler is originally from Nebraska, and so when he was up here, I met him through the meetup studies, and uh, we studied. He was baptized, and um, he has since moved back to Nebraska. But now that he's back in Nebraska... Uh, near Norfolk, he still goes to church every week. He meets with one of the elders weekly for a Bible study from the Norfolk Church of Christ. He is um, holding down a steady job. He has a much more stable, I think, uh, structure in his life and in his thinking, and I have seen him go from the first moment I met him to, to where he's at now just into a completely different person. And so I feel blessed by God to be able to have been a stop along his way, along his journey to help him along. And that is maybe one of the purposes of our congregation. You know, the church as a whole, not every congregation I don't think is supposed to look exactly the same. Uh, They're probably not all supposed to be exactly the same size. They're probably not all supposed to meet exactly the same needs. If you think about it, that's quite a tall order, right, to have every congregation meet the needs of every demographic That could walk through the doors. That's a tall order. And if you think about the body of Christ, we usually think on a congregational level, we are the body of Christ and each individual person here is like a member of that body. I think the truth, that truth, it holds true on the bigger scale. I think congregations of Christ's church are the body of Christ. And each congregation is a part of that body. Each one looks different. Each one serves a different purpose So we try to think about that, keep that in mind as we continue to minister to people in Minnesota. So this is Lake Phelan. This is actually a picture we took on a walk one evening. This is just down the street from our house. This is why we call ourselves the Lake Phelan Church of Christ because it's the dominant feature in our neighborhood. But of course, Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes, so there's a lot of lakes there. And so since meeting as a church, we went from basically... Aaron and I, to a consistent group right now of about uh, 12 to 14 people each week. But if everybody was there on a weekly basis, then we would have over 20 people. Now, I tell you that because that's actually uh, important to us. We have a goal that each week, if we can have a solid core group of 20 people, then we're going to start looking for a bigger place to meet. Because we can push probably 30 people in our home but we don't want to go past that. But we have to have that core group of 20 before we start looking for that bigger place. And if everybody was there every week, we would already be there, but that's not the case. And so that kind of brings us back to the verse that we read from Colossians. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. Colossians 2, 1 through 3 says, "'For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf "'for those who are at Laodicea "'and for all those who have not personally seen my face.'" That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Jesus himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's actually a lot of good stuff in those few verses, things that sound uh, real nice. We'd like to have that. We'd like to have all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. We'd like to have... A true knowledge of God's mystery. We want to have all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ Jesus, but actually all of that is prefaced by something else. What it's prefaced by is their hearts encouraged and knit together in love. And that's, that's a community passage. All of their hearts encouraged by being knit together in love. And the word Therefore, being knit together, it's actually the same word that is used later on in verse 19, where it talks about the body of Christ, where it says, Whom the entire body being supplied and held together, that word held together, it's the same in the original language, by the joints and ligaments, it grows with a growth which is from God. That's an important connection, verses uh, 2 and 19. Because that's what that word means. It talks about, literally, if you think about the human body and how the joints are connected and how each ligament and sinew and tendon are connected and how if any one part is not connected, it brings great pain and it disables the whole body. But as we watch our own children grow, as we've seen ourselves grow over the years, just in our physical bodies, here in the spiritual sense, it says, if we are knitted together, held together like the sinews of a tendon, except it's our hearts that are knit together, then we see a growth that comes from the supply issued from God to the church, it's that it, we will grow with a growth which is from God. And so that is what we are focusing on right now as we think about ministering to the Lake Phelan Church of Christ. It's that how do we? The theme is cohesion. How do we have that level of cohesion where our hearts are knit together, where we're encouraged because we are in unity like that? That's a difficult question to answer. I think it's a question that uh, no matter what size the congregation, I guarantee you ministers are thinking about that. How do we make the church more united? How do we knit each other's hearts together? How do we have a cohesive unit? If you're a part of a small group, maybe you've seen this, or maybe you're striving for this, or you have this problem too. How do we get everybody to be there, but also to be invested and to care about it and to want to serve but also be served, because that's an important equation as well. Church is not just so that you can come and serve, but church is also not just a place where you come to be served. It has to go both ways. You want to be at a church where you can invest, bring something to the table that benefits others, but also be willing to receive and to get something of benefit from the community that you're a part of. And not every congregation can meet those needs for every single person, which is why I think not every congregation should look the same. (laughs) So it kind of all is a collage of thoughts that I just kind of want you to keep in the back of your head as we go through some of these stories. I want to introduce you to a normal uh, weekly Sunday and who you might see at the Lake Phelan Church of Christ. There we go. Oh, somebody's pushing it back there for me. Okay, well, the first picture there, uh, you see of me down there in the middle with uh, my wife and our three kids. And so that's actually a a church planning technique. You just keep multiplying and having more children. And so we're already a church of five. So, I mean, that's one way to do it. Um, Up there on the left, I'm going to show you people who've been there the longest to the people who are the newest. And so up there on the left, we have Zane and uh, next to her is Amarachi. What's interesting is Amarachi, um, I forget how old she is now, I think about eight, but she was uh, my daughter's age when we first met Zane. You know, she was three, and now my daughter's three. So it's, it, it's just crazy to think about how much people have grown. So there's Zane, there's Amarachi, and then there's, um, there we go, there's Lee Jay. And Lee Jay was, I think, the second person we had met and studied the Bible with. And there's Aaron. So Aaron was one of the people we had baptized. And what's interesting about Aaron is that um, he actually kind of disappeared on us for several years. And he's a hard guy to get a hold of. But every now and then, I'll, maybe a couple times a year, I'll reach out to him and see if I hear anything back. And wouldn't you know it, a few months ago, he actually reached back. And he's been coming to church. And so we're actually really happy to see Aaron back at church. We have... Tina, and Tina was there right at the beginning to help Aaron uh, with the meals and with the ladies' Bible study, and then eventually Tina brought along her husband Chris. And so Tina and Chris are actually the only what we would consider like churched, like Church of Christ background people, and we met them at the Woodbury Church of Christ, so we kind of consider them to be sort of like transfers, like transplants. But everybody else is either somebody we met, we studied with, that we converted or baptized, or they were already baptized, but they weren't a part of any church community. They were just kind of struggling in their faith, or they weren't plugged into somewhere. And those are the people that we're always looking for. That's Larry, and who else? That's Amy. She's holding up a good book there. It's called The Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael Heiser, a little plug there. You should read that book. That's our meet-up Bible study on Saturdays that we're going to right now. She's always there, and she's been a faithful attender to that and to all of the fellowship events, and to Sunday uh, worship for several years now. Met her at the Meetup Bible Study. This is the other family in our church, and that's Michael, his wife Bethany, their two kids, Kate and Arlo. Arlo's the little one in Michael's hand. And I'll, actually, I'm going to talk a little bit more about them in just a minute. We have Lori, who is a friend of Tina and Chris, and so they brought her along. And that's Seth and Celinda. Now, Seth is Bethany's brother so that's Seth's wife, Selinda, and the Finnerns brought them along. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. That's Tara. I met her at the coffee shop. She did not come to the coffee shop meetup study. And I'll tell you more about her in just a second. <laughs> so Seth and Selinda and Tara and uh, Tara has a son named Keyshawn. He's holding uh, my chicken, by the way, we have chickens in our backyard that uh, run around. And so if you do come to Lake Phelan and visit, you have to take an obligatory chicken selfie. And, uh, we'll help uh, catch a chicken for you. My son's real good at catching them. But this is the Lake Phelan Church of Christ, and there are over 20 people represented here. If you can walk, we count you. And so baby Arlo doesn't count, baby Fisher doesn't count. So there are over 20 people represented here, but not everybody is there every week. And So again, we're striving for consistency. We're striving for cohesion. How do we get people to want to be there and to want to bring others along with them? And there's no magic bullet for that. I, not, I want to tell you, though, a pattern that I have seen, that I hope to continue to see, that is the direction that we had hoped for, and it starts with uh, one of our members, Michael. So that's Michael Finner, he and I actually met and started studying the Bible back in 2015, so I mean, that was over four years ago, and uh, actually met Michael playing disc golf. <laughs> So I was with, uh, you can meet people doing anything, by the way. You Just just pick your favorite hobby, whatever you like to do the most, and then look for people to study with doing that. That's actually not a bad way to do it. So we met through a common acquaintance, and Michael and I, we started getting together at the coffee shop Saturday mornings uh, every week, pretty regularly, and we studied for two years. And so he didn't go to church with me, he was kind of off and on at some other places, but and I really got to know each other. We became good friends, and we did what you would normally expect people to do if they were going to your church, if you did know them. They, we prayed together, we studied together, we talked about our families together, we talked about life together, we tried to give each other advice. And it's interesting how you can do that with people before they come to church. And that's actually what makes coming to church more natural. In fact, I often wonder if uh, evangelism. Uh, should be done before they come to to the worship assembly. That transition helps that way. I was just thinking my own story with David Harrington, and he and I were friends before I came to Northside. But after two years of studying with him and uh, him not coming to our church, something changed, and uh, somewhat out of convenience for him and his family, they decided, you know, they live a few blocks away. Let's go to, let's go to Lake Phelan. And so after two years... 2017 rolled around, and he brought his wife, Bethany, along with him. They had a little boy at the time, Kate, and now they have two boys. But I didn't know Bethany, and I didn't have a relationship with her, but as she started coming along, Aaron and her became friends, and they developed a relationship, and they got to know each other just like Michael and I got to know each other. And so now our families were becoming closer friends, and Bethany uh, has an interesting story. You know, she moved a lot as a kid. And I think before she was 16 years old, she had moved over 18 times. That's quite a bit. And if you think about that, that means there's never been a time where she was at a congregation. She's had a lot of different church experiences. There's never a time where she was at a congregation for a long period of time. And so she probably doesn't have the uh, maybe the same experience some of you have with being at one place for several years. And so when she came to... Our congregation, as she got to know us, uh, one of the most encouraging things she ever said is that, this is the first time I've ever felt like I was a part of a church community. And it was right around that time that we saw a corner turn for both Michael and Bethany where they didn't just want to be there sometimes. They sat down and talked with us us, and they said they want to be officially here. They want to be officially a part of the community there is no, like, certificate we give out or anything. It's just they wanted us to know that in their minds, they were now committed and that uh, they wanted to invest. And so they started bringing more food and they started volunteering for things and being uh, more involved with the other members of the congregation. And you know what? Two years after that, starting this year, they started bringing along Seth and Selinda. And so Seth is Bethany's brother. She, he's had the same background as her. And now he and his wife are coming to our congregation. But it's sort of like the same stage that Michael and Bethany started at. They're not there every week, but you can see their interest growing. You can see their enjoyment for when they are there. And when they find themselves surprised that they miss it when they're gone. <laughs> and so that is grow- I think that grows into, that's that heart being knit together. That's the growth of the community itself. That's the core being established that can become that place for the church to grow, for more people to come into. And so that's a pattern of growth that we hope to continue seeing. That's the pattern I had hoped for from the beginning. We didn't see it with everybody. But if you think about it, I started with one guy, just him. And then after a couple years, he brought his family. And then after a couple years after that, they brought more of their family. And that's what we hope and expect to see. I don't want everybody at our congregation to be a person that I went out and met, a person that I went out and baptized or studied with. I want everybody to have that experience. And it becomes more natural to do that when you are invested, when you care about where you're at. And when you've made that uh, definite decision in your mind to be here and to be served and to serve. There's another story I want to tell you, though. This is Tara. So I met her at the very beginning of this year. Now, I was at the coffee shop, and this wasn't a meet-up study. I was actually just sitting at a table, and I had a couple of my books out that I was studying. And there was one book out on um, sky visions and astral prophecy. (laughs) So you don't know, that's okay. Yeah, it's a little over my head, too, but that's why I was reading it. And she sat down at the other end of the table with a friend, and she just looked over, and she said, Wow, that looks like a really interesting book. Now, I got excited about that because I tried to tell my wife about the book, and she fell asleep on me. And so I was like, it is an interesting book. Let me tell you about it. (laughs) And so we started talking about constellations and stars, and she was like, wow. And I was like, actually, there's a computer program. You can look at what the stars were like anywhere in the world at any time in history, past or present or future. And so she's like, can you show me what the sky was like when I was born? I was like, absolutely. So I pulled it up on my computer, and I showed it to her amazing (laughs) and so she's like well what do you do how do you know about this stuff i was like well actually i'm a minister i'm a preacher she wanted to hear more about church after we talked for two hours about constellations she wanted to hear about church and i said well here's our church here's where we meet here's what we look like uh you know maybe you'd like to come visit us sometime about three weeks later she did and she's been there ever since now that's That was kind of a, I don't know, just one of those providential things, meeting the right person at the right time who is seeking, and maybe they didn't even know they were seeking. The thing about Tara is um, we're very proud of Tara because she's actually uh, five years sober from drugs and alcohol, and that's quite the feat. That's quite the accomplishment. And so early on when she started coming to church, uh, she told us that she wants to view church Just like any other meeting that she would go to, like NA or AA or anything like that, she wants to make church a part of that in her structure where, like, in her mind, this is a part of her sobriety and that she needs it to stay sober. That's a level of commitment that I hadn't ever seen somebody put forward right at the very beginning. And I've seen some impressive things come out of that kind of commitment. Because when she's at church, you can tell that she's letting her environment shape her because she's there to be shaped. She considers this a part of her journey right off the bat. And so sometimes Tara's a little rough around the edges. We love her. Uh, The first, you know, few Sundays, maybe the first few months that she was coming, there's quite a few, uh, let's just say four-letter words coming out of her mouth, (laughs) and that was just the way she talked. But you know what? We didn't. I'm so proud of our congregation. She showed up dropping all these words, and not one person in our church batted an eye. Nobody. They all just met her, where she was at. They loved her. They included her, made her feel welcome. And I find that impressive. And you know what? Nobody's ever sat down with Tara and said, you know, you really ought to clean clean your speech up a little bit. Nobody said that. But I can't remember the last time I've heard bad words come out of her mouth on Sunday. It's been quite a while. She's letting the people around her at church shape and mold her. She's letting her environment change who she is. And I find that, uh, I don't know, biblical? (laughs) I don't know. That's what we're here for, right? The body needs each other to grow, to change, to strengthen, to be held together, to have your hearts knitted together in love. I'm very impressed with Tara's story. Tara's actually not baptized yet. And uh, she knows, we've studied about baptism, and she's thinking about it. And so actually, if you remember Tara, pray for her, pray for her thoughts on baptism, pray for her son, Kishon, who actually has quite a few health struggles. It makes it difficult uh, for her to, to be a single parent, especially with a child with health problems. So that's Tara, and this is the Lake Phelan Church of Christ. Now you might be thinking, okay, that's the church, you're up there, you're doing the work, but what can I do? How can I help? So I'd like to give you just a couple of practical things to think about that would be helpful for us and I think helpful to you and the church as a whole. So how to help? Well, I think first you can keep funding mission work. You know, this year uh, Northside made their missions budget even a little bit more, and that's something to be commended. I think you ought to be proud of that. Keep funding missions. Keep being mission-minded. I would say also, use those prayer request cards. I saw them handing the prayer request cards out as you came into the auditorium. Actually, um, every missionary on that prayer request card, they actually think really hard about which prayer requests they want to put on those. So those are, those are important, and it does make a difference when you pray for us. Read our newsletters. So missionaries make newsletters. It takes a lot of time to put a lot of work into it. I know when you're going through your email and you're thinking junk, junk, spam, read it later, read it later, read it later, read it later. Uh, maybe just set a time in your schedule where you sit down, you, you do take those five or ten minutes aside, and you read the newsletter. Pray about what the missionaries write in the newsletter. I would actually challenge you to think of small group As a church plant. We think of our church plant as a small group. What if you guys thought of your small groups as a church plant? You're just a church plant that gets together with other church plants on Sunday morning. That's all. (laughs) So if you think about it that way, it's interesting uh, the way you might approach being there. And the way you might approach bringing more people into that group. Just a thought experiment. Next thing you might do is think of the congregations as a body. So there's Northside Church of Christ, there's there's East Point, there's other Churches of Christ in the city. Uh, Think of each congregation as a different part of the body, and each of these congregations, everybody gets together for the area-wide worship once a year, but each of these congregations, they have strengths and they have weaknesses. It might actually help to be familiar with those strengths and weaknesses. Maybe you can send people to one another to be ministered to. So so those last two are actually just sermon points that I snuck in there. They're kind of helpful also, just kind of think about it. and I think that's it. Oh, wait, how'd that get in there? What is that? Listen to podcasts? That's... Oh, well, I guess since it's in there, I'll go ahead and give a shameless plug for my podcast. Uh, if you go to swordplay.cast.rocks, there's supposed to be an S there, whoops, uh, or you can search Swordplay in iTunes or Google Play Music Store. That there on the, on the right is Nick Perez. He and I do a podcast almost every week. And so if you are looking for something that's more of like a uh, commentary, uh, like a deeper sort of dive into the scripture, uh, very detailed, answering lots of questions, you might want to get your Bible out and like study along with us, then I think our podcast uh, might be the one for you. If you like it, write a review and that'll help more people to hear what we have to say. Uh, ministers work very hard on their lessons. I work hard on my Sunday lesson, I work hard on my podcast, I work hard on all my individual Bible studies and the different things that we're doing at the coffee shops. And uh, actually, if you could pray for me, I'm working hard right now on my master's thesis. So maybe when I'm done writing my thesis, I can share it with you and you can read it and tell me what you think. But this is uh, Lake Phelan Church of Christ. This is a quick update that we wanted to give to you guys. We are always encouraged by the Northside congregation. When we come here, uh, it really is more like a family reunion for us. And uh, especially for me, I really felt like as I became a Christian, that the Northside Church of Christ... um, filled that void in my life that I needed, the void of needing family. And I can think of things that I said and things that I did as a new Christian that just were, you know, so dumb, so dumb. And I can think of specific faces that are still in this auditorium right now who just came alongside me and put their hand on my shoulder and told me that I was doing a good job. (laughs) And, you know, that made a big difference. That really does. To let people know that they're helpful, that their thoughts are worth having, and they're worth hearing, and they're worth sharing. That's part of that community again. And so I want to encourage Northside to keep doing what you're already doing. Thank you for the support that you give to us in Minnesota. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to say a prayer with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church whom you sent Jesus to pay for, to die for, and whom Jesus reigns over heaven and earth on behalf of. We thank you for every person here in this congregation and for the work that you've done in their lives, both in seen and unseen ways. We are thankful for every family that comes together to be a part of this family. Thankful for the work that you do and the skills that you put inside of each heart and mind here to serve your kingdom, to spread your gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would make it known within each and every person here, within their core, that you have made them good, that you have made them capable, and uh, more than enough to be your child, to be a servant of the kingdom, to be worthy of the gospel, and to be uh, a Christian in every sense. And we know that you are the one who supplies us with what we need, to grow in the way that you want us to grow. We pray, Lord, that you would have our hearts be knitted together, that through that encouragement, through that unity, we would be able to stand side by side during trial, during persecution, uh, during uh, storms that come along in life, knowing that uh, you do work, you are there to hear and to see and to hold our hands And that a lot of times you do that through uh, each and every one of us as your representative. We're thankful, Lord, for every church, every church plant, every small group. Every time someone cracks open their Bible to know you better, every time somebody tells another person about you, we are thankful for every single moment in which your kingdom and gospel are spread. We pray that it would be your heart, your words stored up in our hearts, your words in our minds, your words that come out of our mouth when we speak, when they are not, Lord, help us to be humble and to be good learners, that we may continue to serve you, arise in the resurrection with our reward in our new body and our salvation, ready to hear you say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. It's this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.